Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of HerbertGoza.com. And the reason we're coming at you today is we're here to talk about blogging. Um, mm. Why? Um, because it's one of the cheapest and probably the most profitable ways of getting more students to your website and therefore to your business. Um, and yeah, it's it's something that has been on everyone's lips since the internet began. How to how to how to how to get this thing to work for you? How to get more visitors? And contents and blogs are really there to do that. They're there to help you attract more, but particularly higher quality visitors to your website. Mm. Um, and actually, that high quality. There's probably nothing better than if you've got a great blog for the right um, right audience. Um, you really see a, a huge, huge difference in terms of the conversion rate. So it's such a powerful tool. Um, and it means that you're going to be able to, to grow your business. And certainly from LearnCube's perspective as well, um, running my organization, we've found blogging to be often some of the highest sources of our overall traffic coming on, you know, even just simple things like, you know, what is a virtual classroom or what is a whiteboard? Mm. They've been really fundamental to the growth of our business in language and tutoring. Um, and Herbert, you've got your own story as well. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, from, from a different side. So, I mean, my advertising agency runs paid ads for education businesses to drive qualified traffic to to their website, um, much like blogging. Um, however, uh, obviously, paid traffic is a paid way of doing that, whereas. Uh, you know, blogging is a more organic way and it's really a, an excellent complement to uh, paid traffic sources. So I'm really interested to discuss and uh, hear about some strategies to improve organic traffic via blogging. That's right. And if you thought that you were just going to hear from Herbert and Alex, you'll be uh, quietly disappointed because, in fact, we have um, a really fantastic guest here with us today, David Doivelbeis, um, who is... Uh, head of, uh, actually, you might have even seen him through his LinkedIn and, and through his <laughs> blogging as well through ELT Buzz. But he has been blogging and creating great content for 20 odd years. He's an entrepreneur, an author, and an ELT consultant. And, uh, we're really thankful for you to join us today, uh, David. Thanks, David. Well, thank you both. And, uh, it's really a pleasure to, um, share some thoughts about blogging. Something I've been really passionate about, um, doing it really from the heart, but then learning more about the inner workings and the guts of it. Um, so really happy to share some tips. And um, really, I, I've considered my blog. Um, I, I have five at the moment, but wow. over the years, <laughs> I've Goodness. had multiple other other blogs. And I've considered my blog kind of the my PhD. Um, a record well, of my feel own like learning. we're talking to the right person. Yes, <laughs> myself. Uh, David, well, tell, uh, I mean, we, we we have some ideas on why to blog, and let's start with our audience, um, and then let's also then uh, circle back to yourself and and why you started, because it probably echoes with some of the points. Mm. But if you're listening in here, you're kind of wondering yourself, you know, I run a tutoring business or I run a language company, and 
uh, you know, I want to get more students or I'm just at the starting, you know, do I invest in blogging? You know, it's quite a lot of work and writing content and what do I write about? There's all these big kind of like, oh, I don't want to do it if I don't have to. Yeah. So why, why do we blog, uh, David? We've got, uh, we got a couple of points for us. Yeah, for, for myself, and I think it's even um, essential for a business, you want to serve your customers, your yeah. audience. Um, what do they want to know? How can I contribute to their knowledge base yeah. um, and really help them out um, and help them grow both not only using my product or my school, but also help them grow profession- professionally? A lot of uh, language schools really don't think of that, but it's high value mm-hmm. if teachers know they can go there and, and get some tips, get some help, um, and really... Um, go to your blog as a source of authority, which is really a powerful thing. But I think the the spirit has to be, how can I serve people? Love that. So if we were to... Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, David. I was just thinking if if we were to distill that, really we've got a couple of points for you listening in, which is to serve your audience, to build traffic, um, through SEO to your business, to build that trust and authority, and really to educate and empower your users. And actually, David, we're going to go through each one of these in a bit more detail as well. Um, you've already given a perfect summary as well. And so let's dig into that first one, because that was the point uh, that you kind of said at the very start, which made everything else make sense, which is you're there to serve the audience. So how does that match your own experience? Um, well, my own experience was just I learned to blog and learned a lot of the tricks and tools of the trade um, just from my own kind of passion to help others yeah. and to solve some of their problems and write about that and do it clearly and um, and uh, get some kind of um, get some kind of uh, reward. I've noticed that from watching your content as well, David. You, I think you, all of your content really comes from a place of wanting to provide value back to the audience. And when people read it, they feel it's made for them because you're serving them rather than serving maybe the algorithms that, that <laughs> empower SEO um, or, yeah. or your own personal gratification. And, and again, uh, people can sense that in your article if you're just trying to add in as many keywords as you can, it makes it less readable. And then likewise, if you're only trying to serve yourself through it, it, uh, it has a backup. What are, what are your thoughts on that one, Dave? No, bang on. I, I think um, we should not underappreciate the technical things and, and writing for SEO and um, designing a blog so it really can be uh, a powerful means others can find you. Yeah. But I think the heart of it also has to be the uh, authenticity and the sincerity in that mm, context. Yeah. And another thing I, I would add to that is um, it can't seem casual. It, it, the reader has to seem has to feel that you put some work into it. You don't yeah. just sort of go there. And 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 there's a lot of criticisms of Medium, which is a big uh, microblogging platform these days. And People just sit down and write for money. Um, <laughs> and um, 
the articles aren't comprehensive enough. Even if they're long, you can you get the feeling like the author hasn't really spent time researching and um, just making it into a real piece of art, the, the post. That might go into that second point as well, which is, so I think you've really articulated the importance of that serving the audience because that's kind of, that comes through the product, which is the, the blog or the piece of content. But then that goes into that second reason why people blog, which, and actually if you're listening and this is maybe the thing you want to hear, which is <laughs> it, it, it helps you get more traffic to your website um, and the right kind of traffic if you've done it right. Um, and that's done yeah. through through SEO. But that won't happen unless you start with the the right intention. And so tell us how those two things work uh, hand in hand, like serving the audience and also traffic and SEO. I know that we're going to have a bit of a conversation and a little bit about how to, you know, some basics about SEO, but how do those two things interrelate, serving the audience and traffic, in your view, David? Writing sincerely um, brings a small group of people to your to your blog. You'll get those followers if you do it right. And um, and word of mouth will will travel and you'll get a readership of a, a small base. Um, but then you have to take it to the next level and, and check off all the, the boxes to do your blog properly to get other people finding you through the search engines. Um, and then as Herbert We'll talk about you know how to um, do ads and market your blog and, and market your company. Um, so I think they're kind of like just two sides of your brain that you got to look after. You know, the logical, technical one, and then the artsy kind of creative one. I mean, everybody reads Seth's blog, um, Seth Godin. Yeah, and mm, love they love it because, uh, in a sense, that um, they're really getting something they don't hear every day, and and that's really kind of key. This voice and register and style of writing, which is kind of really important too. It can't seem like, um, believe it or not, there are services out there that will automatically use AI to write your blog for you, um, but. <laughs> It may check off all the boxes in the SEO and all the check the, the keywords and that, but somebody reading it um, knows automatically, um, despite how well they seem to grammatically um, read, they know that there's there's not that human voice and spirit and, and uniqueness mm-hmm. like Seth Godin. Um, in English language education, I would mention two people that over the years, uh, Scott Thornbury. Um, yeah, okay. Right. His ELT, A A to Z of ELT, um, you really get the feeling he's put a lot of work in each blog post, um, researched and and, uh, figured out what the users, the readers want to hear. And Larry Ferlazzo, um, who's just really the epitome of service with his blog, um, especially in the U.S. market for English language learners. Fantastic. I almost uh, first of all, I loved that metaphor. I want to bring it up again. That thinking of right and left brains. I think that's a great way mm. to blogging. And then uh, going on to that sort of thing that you mentioned. It seems, and it's to be fair, it's all over Google. This is not my idea, but you know, writing for humans, not for machines, is <laughs> a crucial part of making sure that uh, actually it works for the machines and the humans. Uh, it doesn't work the other way. 
Um, there's the, the third point that you brought up earlier, though, which was on this idea of sort of trust and authority. So tell us about why that why how does how does a blog serve that kind of well, goal? Yeah, both personally and professionally, um, a blog is a powerful way to let people know that um, you're a, let's just put it in quotes, expert. Um, mm. That you you know something and, and they want to learn from you and, and know what that something is. And so a blog will build your um, the user's trust and they'll come to you for solutions and it will... It will build your profile as a company and your reputation um, if it's done well. That, uh, hey, go there. They have some answers for me. And um, that's just not, you know, uh, too often. I, mean, I, I really want to make this point strongly. Personally, or professional bloggers or, or, or a, a school or a company, too often they get all excited about their blog and they do it for a month or two months. And this content's up there, they, they're getting some users, and then it just, they die. And I, I think mm. that comes back to the point, um, they're not really doing it from the heart and to serve their audience, so that, that spirit drives up. And over time, you will build that authority, um, not just, you know, your first month of blogging. Mm. It takes time. Sure. Uh, it's very similar to, you know, starting a social media profile. It's, you know, being, being consistent, um, and getting through those first tough, uh, months, weeks or months, uh, of only a few people seeing or reading your blog and no comments, a couple of likes, but, um, uh, yeah, being consistent, uh, and having, I guess, a, a schedule, so to say, perhaps. No, great point. Um, if, if it works for you, you know, have a schedule, use all those other tools that get you, let you schedule. And, and there are tools, um, really built into most blogging platforms where you can, you know, draft your post, share it, um, work on it together, edit it, um, schedule it for later down the road. Great. Herbert, I was also thinking on this point of trust and authority. Um, mm. you know, part of this is like, kind of what you said, which is like, if you build a blog as well, like you kind of see a history. And again, this was a point that you made previously, David, on this build, the sense that you're actually building this backstory that helps build mm-hmm. trust. But I'm almost sure that there's also real value in that, even when you're advertising. I, I think there's, for example, the quality score in Google Ads, Herbert, if you've got a high quality score, which is often to do with the content that's in and throughout your website. You pay mm. less effectively for ads. So theoretically, there's also a spin-off benefit of if you've got a website, which typically also is a blog as well, that has a higher ranking, higher authority, you actually pay less for ads than, you know, let's put it into, the, into context, you pay less than your competitors for the same ad. Absolutely. And your uh, cost per acquisition is also much lower because you have mm. to do less convincing, right? Uh, uh, you, you know, I always uh, say that your website and kind of your organic online presence go hand in hand with the success of your paid ad campaigns. You know, if you have a brand new website, no content on it, you're not on social media and you just run ads, to your website all the time, you can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars and probably maybe not get a sale because 
you haven't built enough trust and authority. Um, and that's where I see a lot of uh, uh, language schools and tutoring companies. Um, that's one side, one piece of the puzzle, so to say, that they might you know, not, not prioritize. Yeah. Uh, and David, what about you? Like, how have you seen this play out? No, I think Herbert's bang on uh, about that, um, that it's really important that um, you have a plan and take your time to build that content. Um, I would even recommend, um, and it's quite easy to do, um, contact the people that blog and you like and, and, and you like their voice and, and and get them to do some blogging for you. Um, it's well worth the time and investment, I would think. Um, nowadays, uh, a blogger will do a piece of content relatively cheaply, I'd say, um, for a, a, a medium kind of ranked blogger in their field, they can, they would do something for $75 to $125 for a well keyworded piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that will give you a lot of bang for your buck and, like Herbert says, get that organic traffic and, and authority rating. Very interesting. So we've talked about three of the four reasons to blog, so serving your audience, the traffic, the trust, um, but also it's about educating and empowering users as well. So certainly on the LearnCube front, we use it exactly that way. You know, people, you, you know, read out, to be quite frank, some of our biggest uh, best performing blogs. Some of them are about like keywords, but some of them are just like, hey, we've got an update, and that's where we go to educate people on uh, a particular feature set that we've we've released, or it might be, and um, yeah, like an overall update to convey, hey, these are the this is what's new, and this is how you use it. But t- tell me in your voice as well, David, how do you how have you seen this play out for language education companies and tutoring companies? How can they use this to educate? their maybe prospects or their customers? Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really an ideal way to um, allow your power users to dig into um, your functionality or your solutions um, that you can't get through an FAQ, um, which is usually just, you know, a couple sentences or a video. Um, so I think that's really something that's important. I think a lot of that has kind of gone over to Facebook sure. um, in a way, the contact with your with your customers and um, their questions. Um, I We at uh, English Central used to, just to echo your point, um, we would put up a press release. Um, and uh, I, I recommend that. Um, it's really strong blog content, especially for mm-hmm. SEO. And But the press releases were usually some of the highest um, viewed and read um, content. Herbert, you've also, I mean, you have seen, seen hundreds and hundreds of language education <laughs> websites, yes. uh, all, of, all of which you've seen blogs and how that kind of correlates. Mm. What have you seen to be, you know, how do they use it to educate? Like, because you want to educate potential prospects for your, let's say you're, you're selling a language school, you want them to uh, validate or value you and, and evaluate you and compare you in the way that you want to be compared, not that goes mm. against you, but obviously to your strength. So surely blogs would really help your p- potential prospects to buy from you if you 
create content in the right way as well. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, good language schools use their blogs as a, a kind of a, a mini, I don't want to say sales page, but, uh, for example, they, they talk about some strategies on how to increase your IELTS score. Um, and they list three or four strategies, obviously very in depth and they give you examples. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, of course, that language school offers an IELTS, uh, exam preparation course, uh, as well. Um, so really it's, 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 uh, um, nurturing that, that lead and getting them engaged in your content and basically getting them sold on your method or your teachers or your location, whatever that might be, um, to maybe turn them into a lead. Makes sense. Um, so hopefully if you've listened in, I think we should have convinced you by now, blog <laughs> could be a really great strategy for you. And now you're like, okay, all right, I, I, I can see something happening here. Uh, but how do we go about it? Now, uh, again, caveats here. I don't think any of us are necessarily total authorities in this, although David definitely has the most experience, but we're going to really try and help you out with, with what we do know. Mm. Um, so let's start with any, any ideas on your front, uh, um, on your side, like high level points here, David, and we can really dig into those. Yeah. Well, one is like where to blog. Yeah. Um, the first thing comes to mind. Um, you can go to wordpress.com. Sure. Um, and host it and they look after all the servers and details. I do not um, recommend that and I'll tell you why. Many companies do go automatically to WordPress.com and they pay the $69.95 a month or mm-hmm. whatever for the business suite of tools. Um, but you really want to control everything on your blog. Um, so WordPress.org, which is different than .com, allows you to just have it on your server. Um, it doesn't take a lot to maintain, and you have complete control. You can customize as you wish, which you can't on WordPress.com, although they do have some powerful tools. Um, so I really recommend WordPress.org if you're going to go with WordPress. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some other things out there like Medium I, I recommend. Um it's a great editing tools. It has a fantastic look and feel. It has powerful tools to really help you with SEO already built in. You don't have to, you know, have a Yoast plugin like um, yeah. you would on, on WordPress. Yeah. Um, but all said and done, I think um, just to keep control, have your own hosted um, WordPress org blog and um, push your blog posts also out to medium yeah which is very valuable and then and you can create the look and feel on medium so people don't know it's cross posting mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt your seo because you can um, give it a canonical url which is it just tells the crawlers that hey this uh, this is a double post and and the, the original is the important one um how so do you, how I, do, you I do that, say, David? That was that was literally the question running in my mind. Like <laughs> double posting. Oh no! So tell me yeah. a little bit more about what you've seen there. And well, um, if you label it with a canonical URL, which is a special um, series of letters and numbers, okay. Um, when Google crawls it, 
they, they know they just disregard it and and so, it also tells them to go to the original one um so okay. you're not penalized um with google's magical algorithm um in any way shape or form and users still will find you on the other service got it okay well that's really interesting um so the other thing that you said that i i i was sort of wondering which way i would lean i one of the downsides i would say with medium is that's not something within your control and you were quite clear about it you know you prefer something that's under your control but that would be the downside of medium it uh, gives you access to a massive me- like uh, group of readers that could be in cre- you know totally your target market, but on the downside, that's not your it's not under your branded uh, website under and totally under your control. So it might look and feel better, but um, there might be some downsides. Uh, but I also have used Medium on occasion just to kind of mix it up, and and it can kind of be a nice way of cross pollinating back to your website as well because you can also link to your main website. So if that one goes really well on Medium, you're also validating uh, your own, you know, if it was learncube.com, it improves the, the ranking of, of that as well. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, length is one other thing that you mentioned as well. Dave. So we talked about where to blog. Let's talk about how to blog and how to <laughs> blog well. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'll just touch briefly and uh, Herbert could probably um, add to this about the SEO. So um, it is a, a valuable consideration. I would recommend just writing your blog, just having a draft, even do it yeah. in a Google Doc. You don't have to do it right on your service. Um, and just write from your heart as you wish. And then let it aside for a couple of days or maybe a day Um Sometimes it's shorter is better or you forget about it. Um, come back to it and then put the SEO layer on it. Um, so think about a strong title that um, really has some of those powerful keywords in it. Um, think about how you can do and how you can make an SEO friendly um, title, which is also just um, linked to the description. And those have to have all the, the, the right keywords in there. Use a keyword checker um, to see how your keywords are working um, and aligning with how Google uh, ranks things. And maybe focus in and see some other keywords that could help you better um, rank um, rather than the usual ones that first come to mind. Um, I'll give an example like a virtual online classroom. (laughs) Good example. uh, Sure, it sounds good, but you're going to be at page number (laughs) 1,543,264. So um, really look at it and think of some other keywords um, and focus for your article. Um, And that one and and good checkers will offer you those alternative keywords they do the work for you um i won't mention them here but just go online and say keyword checker and there's quite a number of strong ones um right other things that i'll mention about seo is make sure that in your first line of text you're mentioning the words you put in the title oh, um good tip google checks for that and and 
it, it's a way of knowing it's just not a bot and it's real mm-hmm. uh, and aligned. Um, headings are very important. Uh, Google really likes a well laid out um, with headings, subheadings. Um, make sure your headings are H1, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I've heard that they actually look for that. Um, so make sure uh, a heading is in your H1, the proper size. David, on that, with your H1, I was always under the impression that your, you know, the title of the blog would be the H1. And so, I don't know, I, for some reason I was wondering if the other headers within the blog itself would therefore be H2. So can you, to be fair, we could, we, anyone could Google this and probably find uh, the, the, the best answer. But I wondered if you had any, if you kind of uh, knew anything about that. No, I, I'm just doing what I, I've been told is a best practice. Um, right. When I, I was working with uh, Bridge Education last year, and we were doing a lot of articles, and and, and that's a great topic too, um, but we won't get into it, but I'll mention it, is repurposing your blog and going yeah. back over your blog posts mm. and, and making sure they're aligned with keywords and um, well laid out. Um, and that's really what I learned from... Uh, the SEO specialist um, there. Great. Um, there are there are a couple of other things that relate also to performance, and I think you see this in ads as well, Herbert. Um, because if if something loads really slowly, uh, Google doesn't like it, right? So even if you were advertising any kind of page, if it loads really slowly, it doesn't like it. Do you have any comments on that, Herbert? Absolutely. Uh, page speed is is so important. Um, yeah. And something that, that pe- people don't think about because, uh, yeah, it, it sounds not very, uh, crucial. Uh, but the, the longer someone has to wait, uh, to, to see the content on your website, to load a blog post, uh, um, the, the bounce rate will s- skyrocket. People will yeah. leave the page. Uh, so yeah, uh, your overall page, uh, sorry, uh, site speed is, is something not to overlook. Yeah, I think um, you're, you're right, and I'll, I'll, I'll um, go back to something I said previously and uh, clarify it. Um, WordPress.com does a great job at web speed, um, and I think a lot of um, it's a great choice if you don't have somebody really technical that you can go to um, every day and uh, really work on those issues um, with your server. Um, so I, I think it's it's very important, and also compressing images. Um, people don't think yeah. about that, but mm. you're putting these images. Um, they're usually the now that video has figured itself out a lot. Um, images are really a barrier to page um, opening and speed. Herbert, you must know this from like all of your ads and websites. Like that must be. <laughs> Cruise, you'll be like, hey, use this image, and it's like 4,000 pixels wide, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as you know, I'm a huge advocate of using images and videos for everything. Um, so obviously, please use them, but uh, make sure that they are compressed, um, that you don't have a, a three gigabyte uh, um, yeah, image or video on your site, because uh, again, um, that'll affect the speed. Do you have a rule of thumb on that, Herbert, on terms of what would be – I mean, I, anyone can Google any of this for, for specifics, but I just thought, Herbert, if you had anything in mind, it would be really interesting. And 
Um, I mean, you, you want it to be a uh, very good quality. <laughs> um, so, you know, anything from, you know, 1200 pixels above 1200 by 1800. Um, but it, it should be well under, you know, a, a few hundred megabytes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked to, I think that was a really great sort of intro to SEO. Did anyone have anything else? You want to add? Well, I, I would just like to add, Alex, uh, to Herbert's point about using images. Something I see all the time across the, the blogiverse, or the, <laughs> um, so to speak, is not um, referencing your images, where you took them from. Um, I've even heard yeah. that, that Google penalizes you for that. Um, so just don't put an image up there without referencing mm. where it comes from and, and having it as a caption, at least. Great tip. Can you just tell me that again? So first of all, that would make total sense if I had created a blog and then I just go to Google and I go, Google Images, oh, yeah, I'll take that and then just look for free images. So yeah. I could I could understand that. One thing I have seen even in YouTube is that Google's got, like, scrapers to look for, like, copyright infringements for, like, music and all sorts of things. So it's really – you've got to be very careful um, but I imagine that same thing would apply to images. So I'm just wondering if that maybe backs up that idea, David, of like being understanding where you're getting your image from before you load them. Is that yeah, something that you write the best or is practice? That, yeah. Alex. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's also something um, in education that people are very sensitive to. So if yeah. you're in education, I think people will look at it and. It might cost you um, some business down the line. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know about Google with their scraping and, and whatever, but I know Google is always looking at ways to um, value more authentic content. Um, yeah. And if your image is clearly referenced and, and copyright um, approved mm. in some way, uh, it, it, it could help you. Well, this goes back to your never-ending point, which I love, <laughs> which is always about pushing authentic con- content. Yeah. And um, then, then you don't need to yours. copyright. <laughs> yeah, if it's yours, it's yours. <laughs> um, otherwise, I would recommend if it's, you know, for example, some blog content, you know, you just don't have an image. Course, that no, references I, I understand that. Blog. <laughs> and so even in, even in LearnCube.com, you're going to find lots of stock images because the blogs that we're talking about aren't, about somebody in a classroom, there might be something else. Um, sure. So I just use like stock, uh, you know, th- there's paid stock subscriptions if you're blogging a lot, mm-hmm. which hopefully David's case you are because then you <laughs> blog regularly. You're going to use those images. Like they give you like a certain number of images per month. And it's actually, as I say, if you're investing in blogging, I think it's well worth it. And it's not particularly expensive. And then you've got images. You don't have to worry about copyright. They always look professional. You always compress them because they're always crazily large. Um, but they've even got like illustrations that if you want to change in PowerPoint or in Illustrator, you could do that as well. So there's lots of things there available to you. And I think we've only really scratched the surface, but hopefully mm. we've uh, increased the appetite for people here to reinvest in their blogs. And, and a lot of services now or, or bloggers are using these um, um, content creation Platforms like Canva, um, for example, that already include um, libraries that are approved and um, 
for for what the same price you you can use those images um without worry Interesting. You know, I actually haven't tried the Canva. I'm a, I, I use Canva for like a lot of stuff, but I, I was like, oh, I don't need to pay for their premium. But if they've got good images, it would actually be a really good, maybe it'd be a good buy. They it's do. not bad. Yeah. They <laughs> do. Okay. Go and uh, check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I changed over to them a couple of years ago um, when Adobe wasn't, I used to use Adobe Spark. For my images mm-hmm. and um, personalizing things, and uh, I just found that Adobe wasn't developing enough and was clunky and just behind the times. So I, I, I think most of the that that content creation universe has gone to Canva. Interesting. Uh, one of the things I'm really taking away from this conversation, David, is again you kind of said it so well at the start is your you, you kind of mentioned when you said, look, you write the content that, that makes sense for, for yourself, like as a human, uh, and then you add this kind of second layer. And that's where that, it takes it from like a draft to the final product. And, and that's when you, you go through each headline and you make sure that the keywords are matching and you figure out the headlines because then you're, you're actually rewriting that so it's good for humans and machines. Mm. And then you've kind of got more or less your, your final product. I'm wondering, uh, one thing I would encourage people to think about, though, because I I really think I've been guilty of this, is there's sometimes topics that I really want to talk about, uh, and I know lots about it, and I'm really excited about them, but quite frankly, no one's searching for it, and so no one's <laughs> looking for it. And I, I think there is a danger to associate writing because you like it, to writing because people are looking for answers mm. and you're there to find those answers. So one thing I'm looking at doing, even my own blog, is probably starting with, hey, these are the keywords that people are interested in. At least I know what they're looking for. And then think about what my audience would care about using those keywords. So you can still do all of the same authentic writing, but instead of finding an audience for the blog that you've created, mm. you find the audience first. And then go, hey, and my audience would have these pain points and I'm going to write about these things. So you probably need to really brainstorm those topics because if you choose the wrong, if you choose the wrong keywords, quite frankly, you might have great content that only your most loyal bloggers will ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a, a bit of a shame. I think that's a great way of reverse engineering kind of, uh, what to blog about, um, which I think many people struggle with uh you know topics and um points to, to to discuss so great ways to find out what are your ideal customers uh pain points what are they asking questions in forums and comments uh in your contact forms and then yeah build a blog around those great points yeah um i'll echo that too and i found it more common these days on social media for companies and bloggers to um, ask their audience what what do they want them to write about mm. instead of them being, as Alex described, you know, the, the be-all and end-all and, <laughs> and the source of the, the divine water. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so on LinkedIn, um, almost a couple times a week I see that and, um, and they'll be asking, you know, I, I'm planning out uh, some blog posts. What do you want me to discuss and, and 
um, write about. That's a great way of, I think, maybe finishing up our last segment, which is maybe like how to promote posts. But for me, mm. that's like a reverse engineering as well of, you mentioned reverse engineering what to write, but it's actually also solving another problem. It's solving, hey, what am I going to post once a week? It could be asking the question, what am I going to, yeah, what do you want exactly. me to post, you know, four weeks time from now? So I think that's one way of thinking about it. But how, how can we promote uh, these blog posts. Let's start with you, Herbert. Just in terms of, is there anything, is there anything useful even from an advertising perspective when it comes to blog posts? I'm unsure, but I'm just curious. So, I mean, we have tested in the past, uh, kind of pr- promoting, you know, putting a little bit of uh, budget behind mm-hmm. certain blog posts, uh, but they usually have more of a, a slight pitch in them yeah um so, so leading up to you know book, book, book a free trial or a consultation to find out more about this topic that we were discussing like ielts exam preparation um and they can absolutely work um but uh, yeah that I, I guess that's a very specific kind of strategy uh yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe if I'm uh, even I'm glad I asked that question because now I'm like actually it's not the point of blogging right the, the whole no. idea of blogging is you're creating this snowball this flywheel exactly. which is yeah. building its own momentum mm. and building its own organic kind of weight to it David how do you recommend p- promoting posts and and helping more people learn from from a particular blog well I, I must admit that I'm I'm relatively um, not good and bad at that marketing side. I get all put all my energy into you know the content itself and the research and um, the design and the look if, and and all those other things we talked about. Um, and then I just push it out to social media and other communities, um, um, cross posting like you said. Um, but I think there's a lot of other unique ways you could. Um, Get your get your readership, um, and maybe yeah. someone in the audience can and you know can comment down below and really um, see what they've had success in. I do know one thing: some of my best blog posts um, um, have of twofold. One is lists, and I I don't I still am not enamored by lists. But when you write a, a list, I guess people do like that sequential organization. Yeah. yeah. And number two, if you offer a, a free, uh, not not a free giveaway, but a downloadable, I say, a printable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll write a blog post. Last week I wrote one about 12 ways to use video in, in teaching. And I provided a nice infographic with it. Um, that accompanied the the text of the blog, and it drove right. a lot of traffic to that post um, because people like the attractive infographic, and then they went to the blog post to read more about each point in the infographic. Amazing. Um, well, I'm I, I think this has been great. Uh, hopefully, our audience has more ideas as well on that. Um, but there's you know, a whole world of of conversation there. We're going to tie this up today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today, David. Um, Thanks, David. I really appreciated it. My pleasure. And, um, yeah, everybody, uh, happy success with your blogging. <laughs>
Absolutely. If you want to learn a little bit how David does it, um, this is actually only one of his blogs, but it's the one that I think you'll find him most on, which is eltbuzz.com. So check that out. Um, he's also runs a, you know, you might even be part of it, the ELT Professionals LinkedIn group, which is also uh, a great way to kind of connect with David and see what he's up to. Um, if you are, yeah, hopefully what we've covered today, though, is, you know, why to blog, some real fundamental questions about how to go about it um, and how to think about it, writing for humans, uh, not machines first but then also writing for those machines so that more people can find it from you. Um, we've also discussed uh, ideas of how to promote it and how to, to make the most of it. And finally, uh, we'll sign off. But Herbert's been blast, isn't it? Yeah, it's always great to hear uh, yeah, best practices and ideas and strategies from, from others in, in the space. So uh, thanks for coming along uh, to the thanks. podcast, David. That's uh, Super, and, great, to, great to be here. Yeah, and that's hopefully what we say on the tin at the Get More Students podcast. Uh, it's all about providing ideas, inspiration and motivation for language school owners and tutoring companies looking to grow their business with online marketing. Um, so make sure you also subscribe to the Get More Students podcast. Um, also, Herbert and I do a Get More Students webinar once a month, so you can also check that out. Um, you can find more about Herbert. Where, Herbert? HerbertGoza.com. Oh, it's definitely so easy to remember. <laughs> uh, you can find more about LearnCube at LearnCube.com. But otherwise, hit that subscribe button and let's see you on the next podcast. Thanks all. See you next time. Bye. Bye.